Hi, my name is Chris and I'm the host of the Being Life Youth Podcast, the show where we talk to young birders to find out what makes them tick. On this podcast, my guest is Declan Yordan. So without further ado, please help me welcome Declan. All right, so I want to welcome Declan to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. It's a big honor to be on the show. Um, then, well, today I've listened to three podcasts, actually, which has been very nice. I've been wanting to be on the podcast for a while. Uh, it's great to you. Um, I'm glad to actually have you as a guest. You've got some really interesting stories and I'm excited to hear you share them. Um, and firstly, just before we carry on, I just want to wish all uh, our listeners and you especially as well, a happy, happy new year. Uh, May 2021 be a year of great big lists. <laughs> yes, happy new years to everyone. And you, of course. Cool. So uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, who are you? What do you do? Uh, let us get to know you a bit. So my name is Declan Yodan. I've been birding for about 13 years now. I've been also looking for frogs for longer than that and snakes for about six years now. Um, I'm currently studying herpetology at the moment. But I'm hoping to get to become a, a bird guide or some guide that takes people around to show them birds, frogs, snakes. The, uh, recently, I've been getting into my birding a lot. So there's that. And photography as well. I've been doing photography for about 10 years now as well. So tell us a little bit more about herpetology because um, that's a term that I'm not sure a lot of people are aware of so even even i was learning as you were talking about it so tell me a little bit a little bit about it so not many people know what herpetology is at all um i get people telling me like it's weird i've never seen someone your age in, is interested in herbicides so some people think it's something to do with the study of like pesticides herbs and all that but some people think it's um diseases it's, it sounds similar to that one, but it's not. Um, it's the study of reptiles and amphibians. And a lot of people think that reptiles and amphibians are the same thing, but they are also not the same thing with that. And uh, like when you first said it, I thought immediately snakes. Are you a crazy snake person? I am very big into my snakes. My mom hates it. She's very scared of snakes it's one of the biggest fears um she said i could never have snakes ever and last year i had eight snakes in the house because i just walked up home one day with the snake and i was like well mom i can't like release it i'm gonna have to keep it now so that's how i got it in recently this year for my birth or last year for my birthday convinced my mom to get me a white lit pit viper which was a nice snake so i've got that um but every snake i see i'm disappointed if i don't catch it and hold it i love the just the feeling of snakes catching snakes and just everything about snakes yeah uh <laughs> that's where you and i are completely different <laughs> <laughs> you, there's there's two types of people in this world there's the people that run towards snakes and the people that run away from it i'm the one that runs away from it <laughs> Yeah, no, I love snakes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, like some of the snakes that you've actually had the privilege of seeing in the wild? So we spoke a little bit earlier about me having a bogey bird, 
but I don't have a bogey bird. I definitely have a bogey snake, which is the puffhead. I've been looking for snakes for six years, and I've never seen a puffhead, and apparently they're one of the most common snakes. However, one of the snakes that I have been privileged to see was actually not too long ago, about two months ago, with Adam, Adam Cushing. Uh, we went to Manioni. And on the way there, we stopped off at Eastern Shores and we found a forest cobra in the road. And it dipped off the road before I could, before we could even get the car there for me to jump out and grab it. But even if, if, if it's any snake, forest cobras, the other day I had a, found a Mozambican spitting cobra that was unfortunately hit on the road. But even that one, uh, got out and looked at that snake. And if it's any snake, I don't care what it is. I'll try and catch it and try and hold it. And and you seem to have like a, a person to you 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 love all these animals that a lot of people shy away from. You also like uh, frogs. Yes. <laughs> now a lot of people have this misconception, and I even had this misconception that all frogs are just slimy, gross-looking little creatures that only come out at night. Tell us a bit why you actually love these creatures. So I'm not sure why I love frogs so much, but. My favorite frog is the rain frog, which just looks, it looks constantly upset, which it, it was, I think is adorable. But I've always had the attraction to animals that people don't really like. Like I love frogs, snakes, crocodiles, sharks. Only, only recently I've been liking sharks, but crocs was my favorite animal growing up until it became more frogs. But I find the only frog that's really slimy are red toads and bullfrogs. The rest aren't necessarily slimy, just wet. They're just moist. Okay, and then you also said something earlier um, when we were busy talking before the podcast. You said that we don't actually have any poisonous frogs here in South Africa. We don't have any poisonous frogs. Is that true? Yeah, we don't really... Well, we have some toads that have got, I guess, yeah, you could call it a poison, but it's nothing that will put you in hospital. It's just a bad taste. Some of them smell bad and they're hard to wash off your hands. Like the red toad has got, has got its skin produces a sticky substance that turns black if you put water on it. And it's, it's, it's not a nice taste at all. It tastes terrible. And um, the rest of the toads have a gland on their shoulders that produce a white, a sort of, it's more like, it's sort of like milk, but it's thicker in texture. But also, if you lick it, it's just going to taste bad. It's not, and they don't give you warts. Frogs don't give you warts. That is a myth. It sounds like you've got some personal experience with the way you talk about how bitter it is. Yeah. I think when I was six, I didn't. Know, I don't know why, but I just licked my hand after I saw that I had poison on it. You seem like a very crazy person, and I say that with all due respect. <laughs> yes, many people think I'm mentally insane. But that's all right. As long as you're a crazy person, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you have to be crazy if you like birds and all these other creatures. Eh? Yeah, and in immense amounts of patience because you have to wait a lot of the time. You have to wait for hours just to get a five-second view of a bird and then even then we go crazy if we see it which is great i love it i love just sitting and waiting but at the same time i love getting out there and like catching something and i, I think also one of the things um going back to the subject of frogs 
I think there's a lot of misconception because we don't, we aren't actually that exposed to frogs here in South Africa in a sense where um, we know we can hear the tree frogs at night and we can hear the bullfrogs during the mating season. But how many frogs are actually around us? So in my garden, I can hear just down the road at least four species of frog. But in around Durban, it's mostly going to be painted reed frogs, natal tree frogs, and guttural toads. That will be your most common ones. But we can get easy 10 species of frog around, maybe more. But also the, the bullfrogs, they're only found, the closest we can get bullfrogs here are in Zululand. There's one that sounds very similar to the bullfrog, which is the red toad, which at, at first even I thought it was a bullfrog when I heard it. Another thing I just want to talk to you about, um, you are almost at the 500 mark for birds in KZN. Yes. How did you manage to get that? <laughs> it's been years of birding. I've been birding 13 years only in KZN. I've been out of KZN a handful of times and none of them have been for birding. So I would love, I want to go to Cape Town and I want to go bird down there and look for some stuff down there because I think that will be amazing. But being, I found being in like a club, BirdLife Port Natal, I've been on, been going with bird walks with them for long, for years now. I think being in a club, being on these alert groups, it's so handy and it's so useful because now that we're on them, we're getting all these reports and we can, okay, now we can see if we can go up there this weekend and go bird. And I find just sitting and birding, even in just your local patches, you'll find some specials there. And just knowing all the little spots and all the habits of the birds and, oh, this field looks nice for this bird, you might be able to get it there. Just just doing things like that and just exploring, you'll find a lot just in your little area. And then also speaking a little bit about that, we last year we – went into quite a hard lockdown because of coronavirus and this year we are already in a sort of semi-hard lockdown again how can we actually grow our birding in our local patch so i find just planting the right plants in your garden um is very good because that attracts the insects which attracts the insects eating birds and the flowers also attract the nectar eating birds and eat plants with fruit you then you've got your fruit eaters We've just moved into this garden, so we haven't got anything there in the waterfall we planted. We had fig trees. We had, we had planted a, an array of plants to attract birds, and we eventually had 114 species of birds in our garden that we had found. And um, also just times of year, different times of year, you'll have different birds. And just sitting down for one day, even if it's just one day and just looking as hard as you can, seeing what you can get is very good. But in lockdown, it's kind of hard because you're used to going out and looking for birds, but lockdown showed me just how much species and what diversity I have in my garden. And then also um, it, it has passed by a little bit, but I still love talking about big birding day no matter what. Um, and your team is probably one of the strongest teams here in KZN. You guys usually get quite a few species. 
and how do you how do you guys actually get like upwards of 200 species here in KZN? Because I've been told that it's quite hard to actually do that by good birders. So it it is quite difficult to get to 200 species. Um, next year we're going to try and get to 220 because what hits you the most is having to travel between spots because we usually start up at Cumberland, but we try and keep it so we can have it inland, still get birds, but still have it by the coast because you can get a lot of birds at the coast that you don't get by inland. And it's what we do, we usually plan, we plan the day after birding big day for the next year already so it's it's planning sitting down getting a good plan going through and sort of not really taking your time but not rushing through an area and it's knowing the birds in your area and what habits you'll get going to spots that you know from beforehand so it's it's it's, it's a lot of doing research before getting a good high amount of species so so your practical advice for somebody who wants to get a big list for big birding day is research a lot of research yes and we have a, a very an expert in our team that knows a lot of birds having an expert is also a very good thing to have in a team so that i mean we would get like i think it was 150 to 180 species of birds and then a friend of ours garth joined us he's been with us now for three years and those three years we've got two of them we've got 190 we've got 196 and 199 and this year we last year we got 100 214 or 213 gee that's crazy um and then can you maybe tell us some stories of birding trips that you've been on um some crazy ones you were telling me about the frigate bird earlier Tell me a little bit more about that. So, yeah, the frigate bird, we got up at 3 o'clock in the morning and then we drove to a petrol garage, got picked up there, met some good birders that day, actually. And then we went to Richards Bay. We got there at about half past four, five, somewhere around there. And there was already a birder there, Adam Riley. He was sitting there taking photos and he said the bird was far across. Someone had already spotted it for us. But we waited about five minutes. And the bird flew over us. It was so close that Ian Gordon took his phone out and took full frame photos with his phone. So that was great there. And there was, I think there was eventually about 20 people sitting on the beach there with us. And that was, that was one of my favorites and most memorable birding spots, especially because it's a bird that hasn't been recorded in South Africa, let alone KZN very often um and then i think also another one that where i was also present when you came was um when we went to go see the the black cuckoo yes. that was such an awesome time uh, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like i liked the black cuckoo because there were a lot of birders there and i got to speak to a lot of people i got to learn a few things especially from hugh Chittenden. he was there he was studying the cuckoos there and I got to speak to him a lot and I got to, he told me about the habits of the black cuckoo and I went three times after that and got the black cuckoo every time with the advice that he gave me, which was very good. Went with friends, got it there, got a laugher for, for them um, and got red-breasted swallow there, which wasn't a laugher, but I've never gotten them that far south, which was very good. 
Um, but there, what was really nice there, we love going to Mtanzini because it's, it's a great spot for birding, but it's one of the best spots to get green mamba and gabunada. And I heard later on that you got green mamba on that day. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, which I've never seen a green mamba before. And that was about 10 minutes after we left, but I only found out by the time we got home. But if we, if I knew 10 minutes before, I would have turned the car around to go and get that green mum. That would have been, that would have been the highlight of the day for me, that green mumba. Although the black cuckoo was brilliant because we stopped on the side of the road next to you guys and you said you saw it there. And then we got it there and then later on we went around and we got it closer. Yeah, that was crazy. I, and I, I still I still get a little bit of shakes when I think about seeing that green mamba so close. <laughs> I would have loved to have him. I probably would have climbed the tree to get to him. <laughs> and um, so can you tell me the last bird that you've dipped on? The last bird that I dipped on was a rock pratnikol that pitched up in the Umkamas Valley. We went the day after it was reported and we never got it. That's disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it's such a mega for KZN as well. Yeah, it's it's always so disappointing when you you go on these trips hoping to actually get it and then you get let down. <laughs> yeah, although we got white-fronted bee-eater, which I hadn't gotten that. Not white-fronted, yes, white-fronted, that far south. Nice. So um, we also, um, I don't think we've really covered about how you, you got into birding itself. Um, you kind of said how you, you've always just loved creatures and all that, but how did you get into birding itself? Well, my dad, what started with my dad is, was a spectacled weaver. He heard a spectacled weaver and it took him three months to figure out what it was. He thought it was a, a type of kingfisher. But what got me into birding, I only started after my dad, was a red-fronted tinkerbird flew into our window. And this is in New Germany, so I didn't see this bird very often. I didn't know what it was. Unfortunately, it died. But I picked up, he had an old Roberts book from the early 80s, the late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there. So I had to flip through a lot of the book and I was free, so I couldn't really read. And I had to find a picture of the bird, point it out to my dad and figure out what it was. And then I showed him the bird and that red front of Tinkerbird, I thought the bird was so pretty that after that, after scrolling through the book, I eventually saw that there's a lot of birds like this and there's a lot of pretty birds like this and I wanted to see them all. I said, I want to go out and look for all these birds and my dad said, sure, we'll go look for some of them, but some of them are found in like Botswana, so we can't really go for that. But it all started just with that and then I always wanted to see the Narina Trogan. Then we found one in St. Lucia and I've seen hundreds ever since. And then but it's that red-fronted tinkerbird that got me into birding. Nice. <laughs> and you said earlier that you, you don't really have a bogey bird and that you found the African finfoot so many times already. Yeah, I don't know. People say the African finfoot, it's like you, like you said, it's your bogey bird. But I don't know. I just seem to have very good luck with the finfoot so far. I mean, we haven't seen him at Sapi again. We've looked for him there and we haven't seen him. But in and under dam, just there by the bridge, we get him almost every time. I'm jealous. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, and so because it's the beginning of the year, um, 
a lot of us, we kind of look towards our bird list now and we, we kind of start making plans on how we are going to grow our bird list this year. Which year would you say has been your biggest year in terms of your bird list? I would say 2020 actually was my biggest year, which is surprising because of the lockdown. And I didn't bird for about four months out of the year because my dad wasn't in the country. He was in New Zealand. So I, I went a couple times with friends, but then because of lockdown, I couldn't go with friends. And But most of it was when my dad came back, he said the New Zealand, the birding in New Zealand, he says it was so hard to find. I think in New Zealand, he was there four months and he got 56 species of birds. And he said it was just after that, just the amount of birds that we get in South Africa, he said he was just astonished at what we could get. So he wanted to be birding. He was back here for for one day back in South Africa, and we had already booked to go to St. Lucia, and we stayed there for about a week. And we've been to St. Lucia three times since. And we've been to we've been doing traveling a lot up to Zululand, which is one of my favorite places in the world. I love birding in Zululand and got a lot of snakes, a lot of frogs. It's got everything there. And because of that, my list is skyrocketed it's been mostly rarities though because i've gotten pretty much all the common birds and then i think one last thing before we we leave um i just want to find out uh are there any spots that you recommend yeah in KZN that people go to if they want to grow their bird list there are a few spots i i recommend saint lucia saint lucia is for my one of my favorite places in the world if not my most favorite place um, and it's, it's relatively cheap to stay there, which is nice. And it's, I found, I feel very safe there. Just even if walking, the only thing you really have to worry about is the hippos, which can be, especially at night. But there's even species of birds. I've gone there every year since I was five. And there's still species of birds there that I can get that I knew. And there's rarities there quite often. But so St. Lucia and then Nkuzi. I've been there three times. Very nice place. Every time I've gone there, I've gotten new species of birds. And another one is actually a place that I've never been to, in Duma, which I've heard is a very nice place, which is the place that we want to go next. Um, I like Wienen. That's a good spot. Cumberland's a good spot as well. Cool. So everybody that's in Kaiserin, they need to make a list of all these places and go visit them. Yes. <laughs> Cool. So thanks so much for the chat, Declan. It was really awesome. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Hopefully we do get to chat soon. Maybe somehow we can go bird somewhere or something. Yeah, we need to do it. Yes. <laughs> Once again, I just want to thank Declan for being such an awesome guest and sharing some of his crazy stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to like us on social media and follow us on your favorite podcast player. Mm-hmm.